This is Paradoxical, the podcast about the psychology behind big success in small business. I'm your host, Steve McCready, and today I am joined by Reed Edgar of Spot Detergent. Reed, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit about about laundry and detergent today, but I think probably a lot more about a lot of the other things that kind of are around spot detergent as it relates to the environment, marketing, product development. There's a whole bunch of great stuff here that I'm looking forward to exploring. But let's let's start with kind of the the background and the origin, because I know before this, you have been running a company, a True Nut Powdered Peanut Butter Company for like nine years or so. And so what led to you getting inspired to start a laundry detergent company? Laundry detergent has not been a passion of mine for my whole life. You know, it's it's not something that you grow up thinking about uh, doing. But but here I am. As you said, I've been running True Nut for actually over 10 years now. We just crossed the 10-year mark. I love that business. I love what we've done and accomplished and, you know, bringing like healthy food to people that, you know, actually taste good. So that's very fulfilling. But my passions lie more in the environmental space, finding ways to help the environment, help avert climate change and all these issues that the earth is facing. And I felt like I wanted to do True Nut was not touching on those passions. And so I wanted to find a way to combine my love for business. I, I think I'm a pretty good business person. And I wanted to be able to use that in a way that was helpful when it comes to climate change and sustainability and promoting eco friendly behaviors. So that's how I got into this business. I found uh, laundry detergent sheets, which are essentially an eco-friendly alternative to traditional liquid or powder laundry detergent. But I wanted to make it in a way that's more, it's more than just the environment because there's, there's plenty of people out there. There's plenty of companies out there that are already selling this product to people that are very passionate about the environment and eco-friendliness and all of that. But In order to accomplish my goals, which are more, I think, macro in terms of creating a new paradigm for how we sell and market eco-friendly products and how we think about eco-friendly products, I wanted to bring that about by making eco-friendliness approachable and affordable for everyone, not just people that are willing to spend two or three times the amount on laundry detergent, toothpaste, what have you. Uh, I want this to be something that everyone can get behind and afford. That's my reason for a reason for this business to exist. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to unpacking a whole bunch of those, those different pieces. Uh, let's start here though, for folks who might not be aware or might not have really thought about it. Tell us some about what, like what's wrong with, um, well, traditional laundry detergent, but also in the more modern context, liquid laundry detergent, how it's made packaged, et cetera. Like talk about some of the environmental problems that go along with it. So there's several problems, some that are very present for the average person, and some are more on the you know business and logistical side. So we'll get into those first. So when you think about liquid laundry detergent, what is it really? It's primarily soapy water. Liquid laundry detergent is primarily water. It's about 90% water with some soaps and chemicals and stuff included. So when you think about the business side of this, we've got these big jugs of detergent that we are trucking all across the country from the manufacturing facility to the warehouse, to the store, to your home. And we're essentially driving around water, same as we do with bottled water, essentially. And so you're using a lot of gas. A lot of oil is being used to truck soapy water all over the country, all over the world. And that's not good. We're using so much gas and have so many trucks on the road that are carrying these things that is not really necessary. Secondly, this is all packaged in plastic jugs, plastic bottles, which is also made from oil. It's an oil byproduct to make any type of plastic. And so that's all going to be thrown into a landfill or the ocean. In the U.S., we discard over 700 million bottles of laundry detergent every single year, which is, it's, it's impossible to really picture, I've tried many times to picture a huge pile of 700 million bottles, but I I can't even imagine how big that is. But it's a lot. That's, 
I mean, for anyone who's like listening to this, think about grab, you know, if you've got like whatever your, your jug of tide or whatever it is, think about that and then multiply that by even, even start with 700 and then buy a million. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's an incredible, huge amount of plastic. And staggering. And that's every single year. And that's only in the United States. So imagine how much the entire world is throwing away. And that's just laundry detergent. That doesn't include fabric softener or, like I said before, tubes of toothpaste or dish soap. All of these things are being thrown away. And some pla- some plastic can be recycled, but this is not one of them because it's the inside of the, the bottle is coated in the, the gel of the detergent. And unless the customer is going to open the bottle, scrub all of that out completely, the bottle has 0% chance of being recycled. So it's going to be thrown away. It's going to end up in a landfill or the ocean. And that's not good. So the other... I want to pause you here and and point out this this piece that I think doesn't get looked at or talked about enough is there's there's like recyclability in theory, and then there's recyclability Mm -hmm. in practice. And I think laundry detergent is one of those cases where there really is a difference. It's like, yeah, strictly it's made of plastic that is recyclable. But as you pointed out, I don't know if this is true in all, you know, in, in all municipalities or not, but in a lot of them, if the thing is not rinsed really thoroughly, it ain't getting recycled. It's going to end up right. in a landfill because mm-hmm. there's, especially with plastic, there's not a means for them to just clean random plastic. That's not, you know, practical. So a lot of this stuff, while again, it may say recyclable, the reality is the odds are it's just simply not getting recycled, right? Yes. And the pro- there's many problems with recycling. Recycling, in theory, is a great idea. And I, I recycle everything that I can. But if we're thinking about the long-term goals of you know, averting climate change, it's not really, not really the path that we should be going down. We should be focusing more on using less of these resources instead of just using the same bit of plastic over and over again as many times as we can. So the other problem is that Every municipality is different. Everyone has different rules. Everyone's using different, you know, facilities to process all their recycling. There's no one standard. So nobody really knows without doing a lot of digging into your one municipality, how this is getting recycled, how far it's being transported in order to be recycled. We had a a period in time where we used to export a lot of our recycling to Malaysia and China. And so that has to be put on a boat and transported. And so what benefits are we really getting by, you know, using all this oil and gas to transport our recycling to another country? So the benefits are not necessarily there. They might be outweighed by the negatives. So let's talk instead about powder, traditional powder detergent, which typically comes in a cardboard package and is Correct. all that. So how about it as, as a comparison from a recyclability, environmental-friendly, et cetera, standpoint? I think it's a little better, but you still face the issue of transportation. The powder, the boxes of powder are very heavy and bulky, so you're going to be using a lot more oil or a lot more gasoline in order to transport it. It's not as efficient because of the amount of space it takes up. If you think about like how many of these can I put in a truck when I'm transporting them from point A to point B, it's going to be not very efficient. To dig a little further on the, the the eco factor for powder, and of course, this is just a more of a general statement, but the chemicals and solvents and cleansers being used are, are typically on the lower quality side because powder is typically marketed as a, a cheaper alternative or a cheaper version of detergent. So whatever can be used to make it as cheap as possible is typically what is being done. So I would say it's probably better because there's less plastic being used than liquid, but I don't think it's the solution. So let's talk about from the standpoint of for people who haven't seen them or use them, detergent sheets and mm-hmm. what how how they're actually made. I'm curious about, about that piece and mm-hmm. how they might differ as far as ingredients, content, etc. Sure. So the way they're made, it's it's quite simple. The essentially it's a it's a sheet, obviously, <laughs> uh, like a five by seven inch sheet. It is essentially, you know, it's on a giant roll and then cut in these little pieces, and then it's soaked into the the formula that we use so that it absorbs all the cleansers, solvents, enzymes, and such. And then, as the consumer, you simply take this sheet and put it into your washing machine, 
kind of like a pod, like a detergent pod. You know, you just throw it in and it does all the work. This is the same idea, except it's in a sheet. It doesn't come in a plastic wrap. It doesn't come in a, which is not packaged in a larger plastic container. So there's much less plastic. These things weigh practically nothing. Each sheet weighs about one and a half grams. So the, the cost of transporting it is much lower and they're much easier to make. These sheets, like what's the material, tell me say more about the material that they're made of. So if they just dissolve and I assume it's something that's, you know, again, eco-friendly or whatever, but what, what's it made of and that it can absorb the other chemicals and stuff. I'm curious about that. Well, there's a couple of ingredients. The primary one is something called polyvinyl alcohol, which is a biodegradable material that it's only, by composition, it only takes up about 2% of the sheet itself, but, or by, by weight, it takes up about 2%, but it's, it is absorbent and it allows it to hold its form. So it's not like a, it's not like a piece of fabric or something like that. It, it really is just this little thing that holds it all together. And so the sheets have, you know, so they have all of the, the, you know, the cleaning chemicals and stuff in them. And then how are those packaged for spot within, you know, within, I know the, the, there's a cardboard box. Is there other packaging involved? Like, how's that all put together? Right now we're only doing envelopes. So while we're looking at some new, new things, but everything would be paper-based. So right now we have essentially a paper envelope of various different sizes which is much easier to recycle. And even if it doesn't get recycled, the life cycle of paper um, is much shorter than plastic. So it's going to degrade or, or biodegrade um, in a matter of you know a few years versus plastic, which takes four to 500 years to fully break down. So even if it doesn't get recycled, it's a much better and cheaper solution. So the, the net is it's a something that's just really much less of an environmental footprint and more likely to be in the case of the boxes are these envelopes recyclable and such, which makes makes sense. How does from a chemical and you know other standpoint, how do these sheets well one for detergent sheets in general, how do they differ from traditional powder or liquid? But two, how in you for developing spot, what if anything is different about yours versus uh, other laundry detergent sheets that are out there. So the cleansers and solvents and such, it's not like we've invented some new material that is some miracle cure that is cleaning your clothes in a whole different way. They're more or less the same ingredients that are being used in liquid detergents. For us, though, we did make a point like we want something that is going to be not only as environmentally friendly as possible, but as beneficial for humans, for people, for their skin, for people that have sensitive skin, for people with young children or for seniors. It's not something that's going to irritate their skin. So we've specifically used ingredients that they have a very low affect on people. So that's what we purposely went down that road in order to make it better for people and their family so that you're not being exposed to a bunch of harsh chemicals that are going to be irritating and uncomfortable to your skin. And I know you're on your website, there is, you actually publish the, the different ingredients that go into the sheets, correct? Yes. Yeah. There's full transparency. So we, we want everyone to be able to see exactly what it is and do your own research on, you know, what is good or what you do or don't want in your laundry detergent. I would encourage you to, to look at your current detergent. I, I would imagine it might not be what you expect. There's probably some ingredients there that may not be ideal or not be, may not be something that you want to expose yourself to. Now for the, for you, for developing the formula that is used for spot and getting these manufactured and such, what was that process like for you? How did you go about doing it? How long did that take to actually develop these? So as I mentioned before, laundry detergent was never a passion of mine. Uh, so I'm not the one that developed it. Uh, they were developed by uh, our partners who did all of the, the R&D and research and development. It's not really a, a new thing. They've been around for a few years, uh, but they were developed, I think, with, with the idea that we're essentially just providing a new delivery mechanism compared to just dumping liquid into a washing machine. Why can't we simply take those same ingredients and put them into a sheet that's going to dissolve and give you the same results just in a different factor. So whoever thought of that was a genius and that's how we, that's how it came about. 
Now for you, so this, especially for people who are looking at, you know, they have an idea for a product or a thing they want to do, but aren't necessarily the kind of person who has the knowledge or skills they would develop it similar to this. So what was your process about going around finding these partners to manufacture this? So I'll answer that in two ways. So because of who I am and my through my entrepreneurial journey, I, I like to think that I, I'm always looking for new new things for new businesses, new ideas, new people to partner with. And so I'm always thinking about it and looking because you never know when that's going to happen. So with laundry detergent sheets, I initially found out about these two or three years ago. There's another company called Earth Breeze that has been around for about three or four years now. They're probably one of the first ones on the market. And I found their product and I loved it. I loved the idea. It, it really spoke to me. It, it made sense, like why I should do this, why I should care about this product. And it wasn't until a few years later, I should have done, I wish I had done this earlier. I hadn't waited so long, but I did. I finally thought to myself, this is an idea that I, I can do with my, my skills. And I know how I would market this and how I'm going to combine my my passion and my knowledge into one thing and this this just happens to fit perfectly. And so when it comes to actually finding the partners, well it's it's actually just a matter of using the resources whether at the online or with my government contacts in order to find somebody that fits the bill that is not only making this product but they're making a high quality one that really fits with the eco-friendly aspect is there, there are plenty of people out there making these detergent sheets that are doing it, just cutting costs just as cheaply as possible. It's nice because you're not using as much plastic, but you're also using bad ingredients that are going to be harmful for the environment. So it was a matter of just finding the right fit, not only with the manufacturer, but with what I'm looking for in a business, something that satisfies my passion that also combines my skill set. And then from a, the standpoint of getting the product developed, getting to a point of having a, you know, a retail ready product or product ready for sale, how did you go about funding for that? Well, as I mentioned before, I, I have my, my other business, TrueNut. And so TrueNut subsidized the original costs for Spot. Because I've, I've been down this road before, I kind of knew what it took, what it takes to get off the ground and we've only been in business for we launched about four and a half months ago so we're we're still still launching in a sense and we're just getting into retail now so all of those initial costs are still being borne out but but to get started and maybe it's just because i'm a i hate this term but i'm a bootstrap type of guy i have just found how to do things myself in a very affordable and efficient way and so my costs essentially were the product, the packaging, finding a place to a warehouse essentially, and then some initial marketing costs in order to get people to know what it is. And that was it. It wasn't too complicated. So what was your initial process as far as marketing spot when it was ready to release to help people be aware that it was, was out there and available? So we did a couple of things and I... Now that I'm four and a half months in, I realize what I would have done differently or what I would have not have done the same. So like any good business these days, we started on Instagram. We focused on eco-friendly. We reached out to a bunch of influencers, of course, people that are, you know, they're all about eco-friendly and promoting environmental causes. We reached out to them and I didn't get a lot of traction and this is just me speculating, but I think one of the reasons why, if you take a look at our packaging, it's very mainstream. As I mentioned before, I'm more concerned about bringing eco-friendliness to a wider audience and doing it in an affordable way. And on Instagram, that's not really a message that sells. It's, you know, if you can put it in a nice, pretty box that you know, with a attractive model holding it in a nice looking house, that's more of what people are looking for. And that, you know, that's great. I'm, I'm happy for those companies that do that and sell it for a huge markup. But that's not what I'm about. That's not what I'm interested in doing. And so I think we're still trying to find how to reach our, our audience. Uh, it's still 
like I said, we're four and a half months in. So this is, it's kind of an on, it's always an ongoing process with business. I think refining, finding the ways to reach your audience in a meaningful way where they are. And to circle back to your question, we also, we hired a PR firm to help promote us in magazines, publications. And we got, we got some articles written and we were included on like, you know, 15 products on Amazon that are $15 or less that you need, like those list type of articles, which were very, very good. They promoted a lot of sales. So for a product like ours, I feel like that's, that is really where we need to be. And that's where we're, we're continuing to push on that front more so than the Instagram front. But it is a struggle to get people to know who you are, especially in this space, because there are now many brands selling laundry detergent. And it's just, it's now reaching the, the big companies like Arm & Hammer, you know, old school laundry company. They have just launched their own version of laundry detergent sheets. And it's only a matter of time before Tide and Gain and all these other companies do the same thing. So we're in an interesting place where we have to differentiate ourselves from the masses while also understanding that this product is still not fully mainstream yet. Although we're, we're almost to that tipping point. I don't know if you're familiar with the diffusion of innovations by that Simon Sinek came up with, where it determines like where on the parabolic curve, something becomes mainstream. And he said he needs, you need about 37% of the country to be adopted or at least aware of this product for it to, to kind of hit that tipping point to go mainstream. And we're almost there. For folks who are listening, you can go to spotdetergent.com and take a look and you can see the, the packaging. The, the environmental aspect of this is um, almost de-emphasized. There's, there's just the reference about plastic-free packaging, but there's nothing else that really makes the, the, you know, the environmental argument on the packaging. So who, who is your audience that you're trying to reach and who do you see as the, the buyer for, for these sheets? So we're trying to reach people that don't necessarily consider the environment when they're making purchases. That's a very broad categorization of, of people. So when you think about laundry detergent, I think a lot of people don't think about laundry detergent. Like I'm thinking about, you know, I, I initially, you know, talked to my family about this and like my brother and my dad. And when I think about them, they probably spend about two seconds thinking about laundry detergent when they're in the grocery aisle or the grocery store and they're thinking, okay, laundry detergent, what's the cheapest? Give me that one. And so not to say that that's everyone. There are plenty of people that they have their brand and they like this one and they like the way it smells. They like the way that it makes their clothes look. You can get a whole spectrum of people with different opinions and different amounts of time and energy they use in thinking about their laundry detergent purchases. So I don't think there's any one way to reach all of those people. But as I mentioned, there's many other brands focused on eco-friendliness. They, they've got the green package. They've got pictures of trees and leaves on the packaging. And it's very expensive. So it seems like an eco-friendly product. It seems like something that's good for the environment. And we're not going down that route. Now, the product is perfectly eco-friendly. It's great for the environment. It, it truly is eco-friendly. But... I feel like the people that care about that are focused on eco-friendliness, they know about this product and are already buying it. And if they buy my product, great. But I'm more concerned with making this mainstream. And the word I keep coming back to is approachable. And I think those green eco-friendly packages, when people see those, I think they think one or two or maybe both of these things, they think, this is not for me. This is for people that are, they care about the environment. And two, this is probably going to be expensive. This is going to be more than I spend for my tide or my gain or whatever. So when people see my product, I want them to think this is a regular cleaning product. I want them to think this is, oh, this is just what I typically buy at the grocery store or, or wherever I'm purchasing it. I don't want them to think that this is, you know, some premium product, even though it is, it's very high quality, I, I assure you. But it's all it's more about helping to get us to that us as a collective as a country 
to that point where this is mainstream and just a normal, quote unquote, normal product. Because ultimately, what I would like to see happen is for this to just be on the shelf next to regular liquid detergent. And people don't even really think of the difference. They think this product works just as well. It's just exactly the same. It just so happens to be eco-friendly, but it's going to be at a better price. And I think ultimately, for a lot of people, price is very important when they're buying a commodity or a commodity type item like laundry detergent. And especially because we are focused on, you know, our product is very low priced especially compared to some of our competitors. Part of being approachable is having an affordable price that everyone can can be able to afford. And so in making that offering, it comes back to my goal that I mentioned at the beginning about how can we have the biggest impact on climate change? What can we do that is going to remove as many of those 700 million bottles of laundry detergent that are thrown away every single year And we're never going to get to that point unless we have mainstream adoption of products like this. Because if just the people that are willing to spend two or three times as much are buying detergent sheets, that's great. But it's never going to cut into that number of that 700 million bottles. That's a small subset of the country. And I think it's growing. I think more and more people are becoming eco-conscious every day and thinking about those type of things. But it's not enough. It's never going to be enough. And so I want people to, to buy my product, even if they don't care about the environment. Or maybe they do care, but it's not the primary reason why they buy something. Maybe it's two or three or four down the list. But ultimately, it's about price and ease of use and does it work. Well, and the, the ease of use thing strikes me as something that's actually really relevant here, but maybe a little underexplored because the one of the other things about liquid detergent that's a pain in the butt is it's just messy mm-hmm. and, and powdered stuff kind of is too. Whereas this is just pull out the sheet, drop it in the washer and you're good to go. From a from a pricing standpoint, I know you've very been you know, very focused on wanting to offer the product at a, at a real competitive price. Is that something you're able to do while still maintaining like a viable level of profitability for the business? Absolutely. Yes. So we have a starter pack, as we call it, 10 loads of laundry for $1.99 with free shipping. You will not find that on Amazon, on walmart.com, anywhere like that. You will not find a better deal than that. And it's just, and it's good because this is new. This is a new concept. And maybe someone doesn't want to buy a bigger pack. They want to try it first. And so I think they will spend $1.99 in order to do that. These detergent sheets are not very expensive to make. And my mind is blown sometimes when I see some of my competitors on Amazon selling these for like $15. And meanwhile, we're selling them for half the price. And still, we're still making a very good margin. But they're selling them for double the price because I think that's... It kind of comes back to what people expect to pay. And I know that's a very strong force when it comes to consumer behaviors and the way people think about products. And am I leaving some money on the table? Probably. But I would be betraying my goal if I was to jack up the price just because I could. I'm not doing this for that reason. Because I'm still making money. We still have a very nice margin. But I'm able to bring this to more people at a value price. And that that means more to me. And I think, honestly, we'll probably make more money in the long term versus jacking up the price and selling it to a smaller subset of people. Well, I really hear that for you, the the environmental impact piece is a big deal. And obviously, yeah, if you are reaching tens of millions of people versus just millions of people, that's a much, much bigger impact in your point about the volume. If you're still making profit and a decent margin, like it's fine. This also raises a question for, for me, and this is more me thinking out loud, although I'm interested in your thoughts on it too, is you know we see how many of these eco-friendly products in whatever field they're in whether it's apparel whether it's um, things like this that often have really elevated price tags and i have sometimes wondered it's like how much of this is about well okay this is actually a lot more expensive to produce versus in some cases it's like we're just charging more for it because we think we can 
I think that is very real and something that needs to be changed. I think of it as pragmatic environmentalism. If I could sum up my all of my ideals and my company's values, it's I would call it pragmatic environmentalism because yes, you know, these eco-friendly products, they're good for the environment. That's great. But if your impact is limited because only certain people can afford it, then how eco-friendly are you really being? If someone says, oh, I really like that shirt. It's made with from bamboo or something. And, oh, but it's $50 and I can't afford this. I'm going to go buy some crap from Walmart for $5. Then is that really accomplishing our goals here? Eco-friendliness needs to be much more inclusive. And again, I keep saying the word approachable, but that's what it is to everyone whether they are rich or poor or in the middle, it has to be something that everyone can be a part of. And some people are, are never going to get behind eco-friendliness, but we still need them to be on board in order to avert, you know, the worst parts of climate change or do at least do as much as we can. And so if we're going to get them on board, it kind of has to be on their terms. We have to meet them where they are, which is, I want, my focus is not on the environment. It's on price or convenience or ease of use or the ease of finding this in the store. We have to be able to meet them and not make it all about being green or being eco-friendly. That aspect of it, it seems like is really just a nice secondary benefit, at least with the way you're positioning it, that really at the end of the day, this is about you're trying to provide a good quality product that is at a, at a reasonable price. So from a standpoint, from a, from a friction standpoint for somebody who's switching from something else, it's a really straightforward thing. It's not like, well, I'm going to have to justify doubling, you know, how much I'm spending on, on this or anything like that. In fact, if anything, it sounds like it's probably a little bit less expensive. And so it's, it's really making it pretty easy to access there. It sounds like now on the, the product stand in, in like availability, I know you, you can, buy these online, what sort of physical retail presence do you have at this point And are you like trying to develop? So we right now are partnered with TJ Maxx and Marshalls. We're selling our products in select TJ Maxx and Marshalls across the country. It's, it's, it's even cheaper in their stores than buying it online. So you will not find a value like that really anywhere else. And that is my goal. I want to give you no reason to to go back to liquid detergent or powder detergent. So we are in those stores. We are about, we're going to be launching in a store called Menards next year, which is like a Home Depot type store. I don't know if they would like me to say that, but that's what it is. We're also selling internationally. We're in the Middle East in a store called Lulu's Hypermarket. They have about 230 stores throughout the Middle East. And then, of course, we're online, we're on Amazon, we're on our website. But as far as retail goes, we are trying to build ourselves out as much as possible just to increase our reach. We want to reach as many people as possible with this. And I know we have a good story to tell, not only with our price, but what we care about, which I think a lot of other people hopefully care about, too. As I said, it's only been four and a half months. We're still... We're still getting there. Retail is a tough business. So, so tell me a little bit more about the thinking behind targeting, say, like, you know, TJ Maxx and Marshalls versus, say, for example, Target or Walmart or one of it, the places where probably most of us get our laundry detergent. So why leaning towards those those locations? Well, we have pitched Walmart. We're hopefully going to get a yes, but to, to be determined. The reason I went to TJ Maxx is because they on the true nut side of the business. They were one of my biggest or are one of my biggest customers. And so I was simply using the connections that I had to get spot started. TJ Maxx is for anyone out there that is that sells these types of products, I would highly recommend selling to TJX, which is TJ Maxx, Marshalls and Home Goods. They are probably one of the best retail companies that I've ever worked with in terms of not taking advantage of their vendors, not riddling them with fees and chargebacks. They do exactly what they say they're going to do and they move very fast. We got in there first simply by the matter that TJ Maxx moves quickly. I submitted the product to the buyers. They gave me an answer within a week and I got a PO like the next day. Wow. That's crazy fast for an organization that big. They move very fast. 
compared to traditional retail like Walmart or the average grocery store. They have 2,500 stores in the United States alone, not to mention internationally. So that gives us a huge reach when it comes to getting our product in front of people that are, you know, you when you shop there, you, you are looking for, you know, something at a good price. And I think we fit perfectly into that model. It certainly makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that's, I, I have a, a friend who has engaged with Walmart in the past about trying to get a product placed there. And they, they told me the story about just months and months and it just it, not a very fast process, certainly nothing like what you've described uh, on your experience with, with TJX here. So that's, that's really very interesting. And then you referenced here, obviously, the the relationships that you built because of um, your history with, with TrueNut. I'm curious, what are other ways, if any, that your past entrepreneurial and business experience has come into play and served you here and helped you um, on, the, on the journey of, of creating and, and building Spot? I think, aside from knowledge, I mean, I've garnered a lot of knowledge over doing this business, over doing TrueNut for 10 years. It's really given me... Uh, a testing ground for launching a consumer packaged goods business in terms of what to do, what not to do, what is important, where should I be spending my marketing money, which, you know, is, is always a work in progress. So I, I think I avoided some pitfalls by testing them with TrueNut, which really was a test because this was the first packaged product business that I had ever done. I guess the other thing it taught me was that retail is a tough business particularly grocery. And I don't want to badmouth too many people here, but we lost a lot of money selling to grocery stores with TrueNut. A lot of money. And so I was very careful when starting Spot in terms of crafting the vision of like, where do we want to go? What stores do we want to sell this product in? And we're not focusing there. <laughs> we're focusing on the TJ Maxx's that can give us a much better reach and I'll just say that we make money selling to TJ Maxx, not necessarily other retail channels. While we're on this, this topic, for people who are looking at doing some sort of product business, what would be for you like maybe two or three things that you've learned or that you think are really important to keep in mind, be aware of, consider that people might not necessarily know or think of as they're in the process of trying to, to develop and sell something? The first thing that comes to mind is pricing. When you're determining the pricing of your products, it's very important to, especially when you're pitching like a specific retailer, like, you know, whoever it is, assume that it's going to cost you more than you think, because it will. There will be something that comes up, not necessarily like a fee that the retailer is going to charge you, but it could be something in the supply chain, could be something logistically, could be, and of course, you have to, you know, account for, especially in today's world with fluctuating costs, your own costs, just with the way that everything is these days. So without pricing yourself out, it's very important to factor in that there's going to be extra costs. There always are. I can say from experience. The other thing I think is also, as I touched on before, is is really thinking about where you want this to go. Like what like I would spot, I have a very clear vision of where I want to take this company. I did not have that with TrueNut. And that includes like, who do I want to sell this product? And with the team that I've built with Spot, we can reach pretty much any retailer in the country and we could have a meeting with them. But that's not what I want to do. Not only like, is it my vision, but some stores are just not going to be a fit for my product. Like, uh, like Whole Foods would not be an example. Our packaging would look very out of place at Whole Foods because that's not who we're targeting when we're focused on, you know, more value pricing, even though it is perfectly eco-friendly, that's just not what we're about. And I don't think it would be a good fit for either of us. So figuring out where you want to go is going to save you a lot of time in terms of just casting a wide net and seeing, Oh, who's going to bring in my product. It's very tempting when you're starting, like just, Take whatever you can get. Like someone, oh, this person's going to take my product. Great. Here you go. Oh, it's going to cost $5,000 to get on the shelf. Well, okay, fine. Whatever. Just put me on the shelf. I don't know if that's a good, good strategy in the long run. It might seem appealing in the, in the short term. So you can say, oh, I'm on this grocery store shelf. 
The other thing is getting on the shelf is nice, but you have to pay to stay. And that usually means marketing, coupons, deals. Retailers are expecting you to help sell the product. And if it doesn't sell well, and if you're not helping enough, then it will be taken out. So getting on the shelf is great, but it's just the beginning of the process, beginning of the journey. And I think this is a thing a lot of people don't necessarily realize or understand uh, that it's like, that's only the getting it on the shelf is only the beginning of the journey. Then there's the next phase. You know, it's Mm kind of like the same thing with, with writing or publishing a book in this day and age. It's like, it's one thing to get a book deal and to write the book. And then it's a whole other thing to actually, you've got to really take a very active role in the marketing and promotion of the book. If you wanted to actually sell too. So hundred percent. And those retailers, they want to know that, you know, that too, they want to know that when you're pitching them, they want to hear like, what are you going to essentially, what are you going to do for me to help sell this product? Like I'm giving you the opportunity. How are you going to capitalize on this so that we both win? And so having a plan in place puts you on a higher level and lets them know that you're serious and know what you're doing. So it sounds like for you, you've really approached this from a place that's both got a lot of awareness, like really integrating the lessons you've learned from past experience of that, but also a real clear picture of, again, what you want to do with spot, where you want to take it, what you want to accomplish with it. And those things have been really instrumental in how you have designed your plan and your approach, whether it's in developing of the product, whether it's in the marketing and positioning and just kind of all of that, that's been really key. It sounds like for you and helping shape how you've approached this. It has. Yeah. I think the reason why it it worked for me is just because it, it fit exactly what I was looking for. I I care a lot about the environment, obviously. It's very important to me. But I've always had a more pragmatic thought process when it comes to things like that. And I'm very business-minded. I'm always thinking about business. I'm coming up with various ideas that I wish I had the time to do, but I don't. And so all of these things came together with with spot with laundry detergent sheets. Not only are they eco-friendly, but I can bring them to a wider audience and help to normalize eco-friendly products and make them more approachable to everyone. So I think that gives me a lot of energy to put my passions into place. And I think it all, everything unfolds from there. That opens the door for me to put all of my time and energy into developing this because it's something that I really want to do. And I'm really, I really care about. I really can hear the the thought that's gone into it and really the, the different things that are key to you. It shows up all through the conversation here as we've been, as we've been talking. And now, now to pivot about, I, I'm wondering if we can get into and explore something on the difficult side of things. Like, is there an area for you as you're working on continuing to push this forward that you're feeling stuck, challenged on, or something that we could dig into and explore a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I I mentioned it a little bit before, but I think the area where we're struggling the most right now is is marketing, finding that audience and reaching them. As I mentioned, you know, Instagram can be a great tool, but because we're kind of bucking the trend with eco-friendly products, there is a tried and true method for ego promoting eco-friendly products on Instagram and everywhere by appealing to that core group of consumers that really focus on eco-friendliness and make it a part of their lifestyle. But when that's not who you're targeting and you're bringing an eco-friendly product to the average consumer, that path is less worn. And so refining our message and putting it in front of the right people and finding the avenue where they want to hear it has been, has been a struggle for us. For the folks that in your vision, the ones that you're seeing as as the ideal market for for spot, what else do you know or see or imagine about them, about like where they go to get information, about how they go about making their choices and other sorts of things? And does that point to any possible marketing ideas for you? I think, you know, when you think about the average person, the average family, they have kids, they're very they're very busy. Laundry is not something that anyone has a lot of, well, I shouldn't say anyone. I don't want to, there are people out there that, that probably know a lot about laundry detergent and care a lot about it. But I think for the average person, it's not something that while you may care about it and you want something that's good for your family, that's gentle on skin, that is safe enough to use with your children. I think that's about the, the end of the caring for laundry detergent. They want something that they can rely on that is dependable 
that they don't have to think about. I think the fact that they don't have to think about it is a selling point or is something that people strive for. When you think about brands like Tide, you know, they have a great reputation for high quality and it smells good. And they've, they've cemented themselves with that brand, the, that image of their brand. And so I think when I think about the people that I want to reach, I think that that's who they are. They, they're busy, busy moms, busy dads. They've got family, they've got kids. They're taking them all around the place, all, you know, soccer practice and gym and all that stuff. And they just want something that they can rely on that is easy. doesn't take a lot of time. I think the, you know, convenience and ease of use of our product, like you mentioned before, there's no spilling. You don't spill the product. All you do is just take it and throw it in the washing machine. I think that's a big selling point. So it makes for less things for them to think about and have to worry about. And also our product is good for traveling. Like it's, it's an envelope. You put it in your suitcase and you can take it anywhere. So you have clean clothes wherever you go, even if you don't have a washing machine. I mean, it seems like just even in, in your answering here, I'm hearing a bunch of different places where there might be some traction to be gained from marketing, right? For example, yeah, people who are heavy travelers. And so where do they shop? What are the kinds of things that they, you know, that they buy? And while sure, they're not going there looking for laundry detergent, if they discover it, you know, someone's going on a backpacking trip or, uh, you know, in Europe and they are at REI, for example, and they see, you know, like this and they see your product and they're like, oh, well, this is not even a thing I'd ever known about. It seems like a kind of thing that could, you know, could speak to them certainly, or finding again, other places where like, again, the convenience, which, or the, not just the, the convenience and the the lack of mess is, is a thing. Like again, and that sticks out maybe to me, and that's probably saying something about my my personality. But <laughs> but like to me, that's a that feels like when I'm like, okay, here's this thing. It works just as well. It's less. It's it's cheap and it's less messy. It's like okay, I'll give it a try. You know, it, it's not a real high bar. It's just about finding these people. Where, where, where they are, or especially when they're in the context of approaching something from that way, right? Like if someone's who's really cost conscious, like what are the things that they do in their process of being cost conscious? Are they looking through that, that, all that stuff that we get in the mail? I don't know. And so I don't know how much you've thought about that, but I'm you know wondering how much there might be some brainstorming here for you and identifying a number of different marketing experiments you could run. That is interesting, the mail piece, because I, I do think not only do people expect to find coupons and such for an item like laundry detergent in the mail, but it, it is something that, I mean, everybody uses it. It's not true nut with powdered peanut butter. It's a very niche item, but everybody buys laundry detergent. So it is, it is I guess, a, an exercise in casting a wide net. And I'm able to cast a little bit of a wider net. Mail, yeah, that is an interesting path that I... I think might be a good avenue. I'm just writing this down. I, I always like to think of these things, especially from a marketing standpoint, like it, to look for connections and, you know, and so like where, where are these, where are their connecting points for different aspects of this? And so if you think about for your product, who are the different types of people that it might speak to? Because that's the thing is like figuring out who really the, the, the audience where you're going to gain traction is, could be any, any number of things. For all we know, it could be travelers, right? And then thinking about, when those people are focused on that thing, what are they doing? And how do you, how do you end up putting yourself there, right? Where they're, where they're thinking about that or pursuing that thing. And then they encounter you. That feels like a place where they may be more likely to, to be open to it and interested. That's one. But then too, like, yeah, if I open my mailbox one day, even if I, and I just have like a little, an envelope that has like a couple sample sheets in it, I'm going to try it. Like, sure. What the heck? I might try it on some laundry. It's no big deal. If something happens, I'm going to try it and see what happens. And it, it, it's curious. And then who knows what you could do with it. But it feels like this feels like a, again, a brainstorming place where thinking about the intersectionality of your product and the people that you're targeting as far as what their pain points or their concerns or what matters to them is. And then using that to be like, what are places where, or ways we could go about marketing or presenting from that because i really hear like yeah this isn't really about the eco environmental piece of it because that's not where you're targeting and it's not going to, to work and certainly the packaging doesn't align with that either but like i think you're totally it makes sense tj maxx totally makes sense as far as that because that's exactly the kind of thing that people who are there 
if they see, if, you know, if they're in, in the checkout line and they see there's all those different products and they see like, oh, what's this? Oh, that's interesting. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, a couple bucks or whatever. They're like, sure, I'll try it out. And so I'm, I'm sure there's other things like that. This feels like, like totally an experimentation until you start figuring out some traction points. One of the biggest things that has worked for us is getting in front of people and not only explaining to them, but letting them try it. Because I think there's, I mean, you can say all these great things, but I think it is going to be tough to change someone's mind until they, they actually see the, the sheet and they see the results in their clean clothes. So I think, yeah, just thinking about you know what has worked, I think that has been one of the more effective things for us. And so I've explored various things from just like going somewhere and setting up a table and handing out free samples to going to like local markets and selling it that way. But I think that whether it's that or even like through the mail, like you said, like we could just mail. If there was a particular, like, you know, we're in a a certain Menards store and we want to target everyone within a half mile of that store, we just mail a sample pack to everyone. I think that's a great idea. But getting in front of them and letting them try it for a new concept like this, I think is very important. Absolutely. And that's really seems to be the the challenge here is how do you, one, create visibility and two, minimize friction to try it, right? How do you make it so where it just, there's so little cost from effort, money, I mean, money, it's cheap. So that's, that's already kind of there, but just how do you make it as low friction as possible for people to try it and get them curious about it so that they do, because then it's a thing if people like it, they're like, okay, this is great. Cause it's, it's from the standpoint of if I get laundry that is as clean using this as I do using Tide. There's no reason why I wouldn't switch. It's cheaper. It's less messy to, you know, do to use because I'm not doing the liquid or the powder and it's environmentally better. It's like, it's a no brainer at that point. It's just, how do you get people over that initial threshold and how do you reduce, reduce friction to it? My, my, my analytical brain here is thinking about things like with mark with marketing, with like mailing and stuff. Yeah. When you start to like, think about certain environments, either in proximity to a store or start to think about depending on, you know, certain targeting certain types of zip codes, because there's probably certain areas where you might be more likely to find the kind of customers that you're targeting versus other, uh, you know, others or certain parts of the country. There's probably a lot of experimentation here. And I, I think this really may be as much of anything, a matter of having the the time and patience and structure to build a good, a good series of experiments and then analyze the data that comes from them and then you know, kind of amplify off of that with the 80-20 rule. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that will be money much better spent than advertising on Instagram. Instagram is just so easy. They get That's how they get you. It's so easy to put up a campaign, whereas this takes a little bit more work, but I, I think in the long run, it'll be much more fruitful. So I think that's something I definitely want to try. Just essentially just getting out in front of people in any way that we can, talking to them or sending them a mailer that probably works best most of the time. You know, there's obviously certain things where and no lack of people who can tell you about their their success on Instagram, but it's not and nothing is the end all be all for sure. And I think this is this really gets it. We're going to look at like who are who are you trying to connect with? Where are they or what are they doing at the time at which they're trying to to solve the same or a similar problem to the problem that you solve, Instagram doesn't seem like a good a good match for that. So I'm not surprised that that hasn't gone so well. Now, now you said that like you're like I have a very clear vision for what I want to do with Spot. So can you share a little bit about like longer term, bigger picture, what you would like to to ultimately do and achieve here with this product? I want Spot and you know laundry detergent sheets to be just ubiquitous just a normal regular cleaning product that you see on the shelf it's no in the customer's mind it's just the same it's going to give me the same clean clothes result as my old tide or my old gain or whatever so i i want that mindset shift to happen I, i want to help facilitate that i also know that what i'm doing this different approach to environmentalism in business is something that can be easily copied and used with other businesses because laundry detergent is just one thing. There's so many businesses that produce products that are laden with plastic that don't have to be. They can be more eco-friendly. And so this same approach can be taken where they provide something at an affordable price and it's more eco-friendly and more approachable to mainstream consumers. So 
I've toyed with like almost like creating a guide. Like, here's what I did. Here's how I did this. Use this in your business. And you can take this product mainstream in an eco-friendly way. I want to do that myself. Like I want to take this philosophy and apply it to other products. So we're working on, I have mentioned toothpaste a few times because that's our next product that we're working on is toothpaste that does not come in in a plastic tube that gets thrown away. We go through even more tubes of toothpaste than we do laundry detergent as a country. So there's even more to do in that space. So we're working on that and I'm hoping to have it launched early next year, but it will have the same tenants. It will be eco-friendly. It will be in packaging that's approachable to everyone. It's not going to turn off people that don't necessarily care as much about the environment or it's not the driving force in their life. And it's also going to be very affordable. Is it still going to be more of a like soft or liquid product? Because I know there's some things out there that are like tablets and those kind of things, but I know that also gets some real resistance from people because it's such a different sort of structure. It is the tablets. We're going that route. It's, it is a challenge like with anything. I mean, I think you face the same thing with sheets. Like people, there's always going to be some resistance or, you know, they'll say, oh, does it work as well? Or does it dissolve? A lot of people have complained with other brands like, oh, this doesn't dissolve completely in my washing machine and it's leaving residue on my clothes. And I'm, I'm happy to say that we haven't gotten any of those complaints, but that is out there. And so I'm sure there's always going to be resistance. But I, I think, again, going back to what we just talked about, having people try it for themselves and giving them that opportunity to try in their home, own home and assuming they're open to change, then I want to give them no reason to say no. And that that is the thing, right? Is is I think sometimes people are opposed to these things just because they're different. And once they have the experience, then they then they might might think otherwise. In marketing, they sometimes refer to the concept of risk reversal. And that's another thing I think that probably has some application here, both with spot and very much, I would imagine, with the toothpaste product, because uh, you might have a little bit of a higher friction barrier to get over. But if you can make it where even if the person doesn't like it, there's still some benefit for them, there's probably ways to to overcome that. It's like a lot of this, I think, is going to be really about a marketing challenge as much as anything. And I think some of the people involved in these products in these areas, they're more about the innovation and more about the environment. They're not necessarily as much focused on the marketing. And so I think that's an area where someone who really is willing to think about it and do the work can probably be more successful than some other companies have been. Yeah. I mean, running a business is, it's, you've kind of, you have to cover all, all avenues, not only the operations and development, but you have to be able to market it correctly. Kind of all, all things have to work in tandem for it to be successful. Now, for folks who are interested and want to learn more about Spot and your product, spotdetergent.com is the website, correct? Correct. And any place else online or anywhere, anywhere else they can or should go to learn more about you and about Spot and what's going on? It's also on Amazon. It's We've got free prime shipping on Amazon, although it is cheaper to buy it on our website. And you can go to that great Instagram page that I've been speaking so highly of. We are at Spot Detergent on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And I think that's it. Yeah, look for us. We're in select TJ Maxx's coming to Menards next year. And uh, hopefully a few other stores coming soon as well. So Reed, I want to, one, thank you for your time. But two, I, I want to specifically call out, I, I really appreciate the way that you're approaching this of making it where the the environmental aspects of this are, they're secondary. They're, they're there, they're real, they're important, and they're a driving force, but they're not like the highlight. And because I think the point you're making there about getting that out of the way, I think is actually a thing that's going to be important for mainstream adoption. I know of another business in the restaurant industry that is taking a similar approach as it relates to vegan vegetarian products that I think it's a, it's a very similar thing. And I think that that's really, really important because it's, that's how we get past the early adopters. The early adopters are the people who are into it. Great. But what about everyone else? Because that's the mass market. That's what you were talking about with the, you know, the adoption curve and everything. And so I think that that's that right there. I'm highlighting that because I think people who are looking at trying to develop something and being mindful of the environment, I'll say, think about, you know, how you would necessarily want to highlight that. Or is there a different way of approaching it? Because it's depending on how big you want to get and what you want to do, the environmental thing may not be what you want to lead with. 
Yeah. It's really a question of, do you want this to be a normal mainstream product and sell it to everyone? Or do you want it to be, you know, niche and just focused on a small subset of people? And, and there's, there's no wrong answer. Like you can exist in both spaces and that's great. But if your goals are to make an impact and, you know, change the way that people do things and the way people buy things and, and encourage them to, to do something that is better for the environment, then I think the answer has to be, how do we make this normal for everybody? That's the way. That's the only way that I know in order to get widespread adoption of any type of eco-friendly practice. Well, I look forward to, as you get your toothpaste product developed and launched, I'll look forward to having another conversation with you about that. And we can, we can talk about that story and, and how that's going for you. Great. I, I look forward to it. Thank you, Steve.